This is the One Verse Podcast, where we liberate scripture from religion, one verse at a time. Well, welcome to the One Verse Podcast. I'm your teacher for this podcast, Jeremy Myers. I am so glad you're with me. Thank you very much for listening. Have you ever read Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1 and wondered what it means? Paul writes this, And you he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins. You might have heard pastors, preachers, professors, maybe read some books on this verse, which says that, See, you are dead in sins, which means you cannot believe in Jesus. God has to regenerate you first before you can believe. Well, we're going to discuss that idea, and we're also going to discover what Paul is actually teaching here in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1. Hey, I do want you to know that my new book, Adventures in Fishing for Men, is out in paperback and in an ebook versions. It's available on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, iTunes, Kobo, pretty much anywhere books are sold. I bet if you go down to your local bookstore, and or you can even order it from them if you'd like. Uh, It's a humorous satire, a humorous look at Christian evangelism. If you've ever felt uncomfortable doing evangelism, going door-to-door, handing out flyers, using Bible gospel tracts, attending evangelism crusades, standing on street corners shouting in a bullhorn, or just trying to bring Jesus into any conversation, no matter how awkward it might be, Look, this book is for you. It's really light reading. It's humorous. Read the first chapter or two. I guarantee you'll get sucked in. You're going to love the rest of it. At least that's what everybody's saying who started reading it so far. Uh, and anyway, get a copy for yourself. You'll enjoy reading it over the summer. I even heard from one lady this, uh, or one person this week who said she was going to use it. I think it's a she. I'm sorry if it was a he. I can't remember who it was now. <laughs> anyway, they were going to use it in their evangelism class at their church. I think that's a great idea. It it sort of presents a very natural... You're going to learn about evangelism along the way as well. It presents a very natural uh, way of doing evangelism in a relational, loving way. But I don't want to give away the story, okay? It is a story as well, not not just a humorous look at evangelism. But it's a satire, so it's a story, sort of an allegory or a parable. Anyway, get a copy wherever books are sold, Amazon or your favorite bookstore. All right, let's get into our study then of Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1. So I don't know if you've ever heard some theologian or some pastor, some author say that, uh, you know, teach the idea that since unregenerate people, you know, they're depraved, they're sinners, sinner black spots, whatever, they cannot do anything good to please God. As a result, they say, they cannot even believe in Jesus for eternal life. And one of the verses that they use to defend that idea is Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1. Uh, the, the verse says, And you he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins. All right, so is Paul teaching in this verse that unbelievers cannot believe in Jesus? Is Paul saying that unbelievers cannot even believe in Jesus unless God first makes them alive? I mean, it does say, and you he made alive first, right? Who were dead. So is God, uh, does he need to give new life to somebody, which is regeneration? That's what regeneration means, to to regenerate, to, to new birth, all right? 
does God need to give this new life to somebody before they can believe and so that they can believe? In other words, do people receive new life, or even you could call it eternal life, from God before they believe in Jesus or because they believe in Jesus? Well, if you know how Jesus himself invited people to believe in him, then you then you know that it is the second option, all right? God does not give new life to us so that we believe, all right, or before we believe, but because we believe, all right? Jesus says over and over, John 3, 16, 5, 24, 6, 47, even Paul talks about this in Romans 4, 4, and 5, lots of other places in the Bible, all right? We do not get new life so that we can believe. We believe in Jesus for eternal life. All right, so since that's the case, does this mean that we are working for our eternal life? Are we doing something good for God so that he gives us eternal life in response? The answer is no. And the reason is because faith, belief, is not a work. All right, the reason, and they're good people who believe that God must regenerate a person before they can believe. But the reason they believe that or think that is because they think wrongly that faith is meritorious, that faith is a good work. Uh, but it isn't. And uh, there, in, in fact, there's all sorts of good things that unbelievers, unregenerate people are able to do, which is good and pleasing to God. Now, they're not going to get eternal life as a result of those good things. All right, but good, unregenerate people can do good things. Regardless, though, faith is not a good work. Right? Faith is not meritorious. Uh, Paul writes, again, in Romans 4, 4 and 5, that faith is the opposite of works. That faith is not a work. And, and so we can't say that since faith is a good work, therefore God must regenerate us before we have faith. It, it begins on a false premise. Faith is not a good work. Faith is the opposite of works. All right? uh, God gives eternal life not to him who works, but to him who believes. Notice that if faith was a work, then Paul would be saying, God gives eternal life not to him who works, but to him who works. And that just makes no sense. All right? So faith is not a work, and that just clears up this whole confusion. Uh, if you want to know what faith is, faith is a, a persuasion that something is true. It's a conviction uh, that something is true. And so when God persuades us, or when we are persuaded that we have eternal life in Jesus, then at that moment, we have eternal life in Jesus. And it's that simple. Now, I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time on faith. If you want to learn more about faith, I will be talking about this a lot more in future podcasts. Uh, but if you want to know right now, I do have a Gospel Dictionary uh, course and there is an entire entry. It's a multi-hour class on the word faith. I define it, and then we look at multiple texts from Scripture uh, that, that deal with the topic of faith in Scripture. So the bottom line is, when we believe, no works are performed. No effort is expended, okay? Now, here's the thing. <laughs> this is a big debate about Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1. But it is not at all what Paul had in mind when he wrote this verse. This whole debate about spiritual death, spiritual life, whether the unregenerate can believe or not, all that stuff, that has been imported 
into the passage from outside theological systems that, that are looking for proof texts to support their beliefs and their ideas. Right? It's not actually found here in Paul. He's not talking about this. What you know, whether the unregenerate have eternal life or before you know they believe, and all of that stuff is not even in chapter two, Ephesians chapter two at all. So, uh, what is, and especially not here in Ephesians chapter two, verse one. So, what is Ephesians chapter two, verse one saying? Well, first, in order to understand, we need to understand a few other keywords, key themes in the chapter, and one of the keywords, obviously is the word saved. Uh, down there in Ephesians 2, 8, and 9, some of the most famous verses in the Bible, I suppose. Um, but uh, when most Christians hear about this word saved or salvation, maybe I should read those. Ephesians 2, 8, and 9. Let me just flip my page back here. Ephesians 2, 8, and 9. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And that not of yourselves, it is a gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. There's this idea that it's not of works again, by the way. Um, and, and so the, what does this word saved mean? Well, again, lots of people, and including most Christians, when they hear the word saved or salvation or save, something like that, they think what comes to mind is this idea of uh, escaping hell, getting forgiveness of sins so you can go to heaven when you die. That sort of idea. But did you know that that idea of the word saved, that understanding of the word saved, is not found anywhere in the Bible? Oh, there's a few texts that seem to fit that way, like this one right here, Ephesians 2, 8, 9. It seems that that is what Paul might be talking about. And if you under, look at the text out of context, then you can make that point. All right, But uh, of all the places in the Bible, if you study all of them, the word saved, salvation, savior even, right? none of them mean, not a single one mean, escape hell, get forgiveness of sin so you can go to heaven when you die, the way most of us Christians understand it. Instead, the word saved or savior or salvation, probably the best translation would be deliverance or deliver, Okay. So what you need to do whenever you see the word saved, salvation, savior in the Bible is just substitute in the word saved, I'm sorry, deliver, deliverance, deliverer, something like that. And then, very important here, look in the context to see what kind of deliverance is in view. And the context will always tell you. Disciples are out on the boat, big storm comes up, Jesus is asleep. They say, Jesus, save us. Are they saying, Jesus, forgive us our sins so we can go to heaven when we die? <laughs> no. They're saying, Jesus, we don't want to drown. Save us from drowning. Deliver us from drowning. Now, that's an easy one, all right? Uh, some of the other texts take a little more work than that, but that's the idea, okay? And uh, by the way, I also talk, or I will be talking about the word saved in my Gospel Dictionary online course, and uh, I will be making this point a whole lot more. Uh, but there's some articles on my, uh, just search Google for saved, the most misunderstood word in the Bible or something like that. And... Um, my blog will come right up and you'll, you'll see some more uh, discussion of this word saved. All right, so here in Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, Paul writes that by grace we've been saved. And we now that we know what the word saved does and doesn't mean, we stop and we go, oh, okay, I'm going to take out the word saved. I'm going to put in the word delivered. By grace we've been delivered. And now I'm going to look in the context to discover what sort of deliverance is in view. And... <laughs> We have contextual clues all over the place. Before 
Ephesians 2, 8, and 9, and after, and it begins right here in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1, that we are looking at. Paul says that we were made alive when we were dead in our trespasses and sins. Well, that doesn't sound very good. We need deliverance from that, right? Yes, we do. Okay? And so here, right in the context, Paul is telling us that we have been saved from being dead in trespasses and sins. We've been delivered from that. All right, so before we delve into what that is, that deliverance is, it's going to be helpful for us to understand what Paul means when he talks about being dead in trespasses and sins. All right, the phrase uh, is referring to, and you can see, go on in Ephesians uh, chapter 2, verses uh, 2 and 3, Paul explains this more, what it means. And the basic idea, I don't have time right now to do this, but the basic idea is that when Paul says dead in trespasses and sins, he's referring to this pervasive and controlling disease of death, which covers the whole earth. All right. Um, we could go back. Paul is actually referring here to Ephesians, or Genesis chapter 4, 5, and 6, really where sin is introduced into the world, and the first thing sin does is cause Cain to murder his brother Abel. That, that, that right there is called sin. Then you have Genesis, Genesis chapter 5, and he died, and he died, and he died, and he died over and over and over. And then Genesis 6, and violence covered the face of the earth, and God looked down, okay? And the every thought of mankind's heart was only evil continually, okay? So it's this... this, uh, this marriage between violence and scapegoating and accusation and blame, which we see Adam and Eve do in the Garden of Eden, and that it, even Cain do against Abel, and this accusing, blaming, finger-pointing, condemning, scapegoating, which leads to murder and death and violence, which covers the face of the earth. Okay, that is what Paul has in mind when he's writing Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 to 3. By the way, go back and listen to some of my previous podcast episodes when we looked, studied Genesis uh, 3 and 4 and uh, that deal with this. Okay? In Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 to 3, Paul is saying that the whole world is addicted to the destructive power of sin. And because of this addiction, we scapegoat others. We point the finger at others. We accuse, we condemn, we exile, we, 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 we cast out, and we ultimately kill other people. But that's not what God wants us to do, as we've seen in Jesus Christ. God wants us to accept love and forgive. And so we need to be delivered from this human addiction to scapegoating and killing other people. All right? And that is what Paul is laying out here. He's showing us how Jesus delivered us from that so that we can live in a different way. And this is what Ephesians, in fact, I just gave you a really quick summary of Ephesians chapter 2, the whole chapter, not just verse 1, but the whole chapter. Sort of as a way to prove that this is what Paul has in mind in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1. You can look at Ephesians chapter 2 as a whole, and actually the entire book of Ephesians, but let's just focus on Ephesians chapter 2. And you can sort of see that Ephesians chapter 2, the chapter, is divided into three sections. It's a problem, solution, application, outline. The problem is in chapter 2, verses 1 through 3. The solution is in verses 4 through 9. And then the application is in verses 11 through 22. 
And so obviously, Paul is beginning with a problem, and then he presents the solution, and then he says, now, as a result of the solution, here's how you can live. The solution needs to match the problem, right? Or be the reverse of it. And so you can see what Paul means in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 3, where he lays out the problem by going and looking at the solution or the fix or the cure, how we should now live as a result of, of God fixing this in Jesus. And you go and look at verses 11 to 22, and you see that over and over and over and over through all these verses, Paul is saying, now because of Jesus, the dividing walls of hostility that kept us apart from one another are gone. We are now one in Jesus. There can now be peace throughout all the world. We don't have to accuse and condemn and kill and murder one another anymore. Okay? And that's what he is laying out in in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 11 through 22. In Jesus, all the hostility has been done away with. All the hatred and violence can can be done away with. And now we can live like Jesus, the way God wants us to, in unity and love and peace. Right? So that's the application. That's how we are to live now. Notice there's nothing in there about going to heaven when we die, escaping hell. Nothing. (laughs) Okay? So this is the application. Now that Jesus has solved this, here's how you should live. Okay? So that means that that needs to be to match the initial problem. So the initial problem isn't, hey, when we die, we go to hell and we need to figure out how to go to heaven. No, the initial problem in Ephesians 2 verses 1 to 3 is we humans are addicted to violence. The death and scapegoating and murderous hate that has plagued humanity since Cain killed Abel. And every war and every death and, and everything that we've, we experience, all the finger pointing and accusing and condemning that goes on, we're still practicing that problem and it creates separation, it creates hostility, it separates, it divides humanity one from another. So Jesus came, Ephesians chapter 2, verses 4 through 9, and showed us a better way, a way out of the problem. A way of love and forgiveness. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And and, and that is what Ephesians 2 is all about, which means, bringing it back around now as we try to close out here, in Ephesians 2 verse 1, this phrase, dead in trespasses and sins. It's not talking about spiritual death, right? Makes us unable to hear or respond to God. And if we don't, you know, if, if we're not... Don't respond or however, however that whole theology goes. You know, we're going to end up in hell, eternally separated from God. That is not in view at all. Paul has a much more practical, concrete, real world right now idea in mind. And it's about our culture and our civilization. He is describing the problem, the atmosphere of sin and death that we all live in. And which we all think is just normal. And that's what it means to be dead in sins. It means sin is surrounding us. We're surrounded by this system, this world of sin, which leads to death. We're addicted to it. And we don't even see that we're breathing hatred and violence towards others. Uh, murder. We live in murderous times. Warfare, hatred, killing, condemning, scapegoating. Okay? And everything related to this. And Paul says, now that's the problem. Ephesians <laughs> 1, 2, verses 1 through 3. Now we see what Jesus has done, and we can live a different way. 
this murderous, violent way of living is not normal. <laughs> we think it's normal because, you know, it's what we've always lived in. But it's not what God wanted, planned, or intended from the very beginning when he created Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden and told them to be fruitful and multiply and cover the face of the earth. He wanted us to live in unity and equality and love and peace and safety and security, and kindness, generosity, everything we see in Jesus. And so in Jesus, we have been shown a new way. We've been shown what we do, how we kill, condemn, accuse, scapegoat others, and We've been called to stop it and live with love and forgiveness towards others, just like Jesus. Because of what Jesus showed us, we can now live in a heavenly culture and civilization, even while we're here on earth. That's what Paul is teaching in Ephesians chapter 2. It's a revolutionary and beautiful chapter. And I hope you sort of take what we've learned just from this first verse of Ephesians chapter 2 and read through the rest of the chapter with brand new eyes, reading it in an entire, entirely new light. And I just want to remind you, if you do want to learn more about this whole way of reading Scripture, and maybe as I was talking there, you had some questions come up about sin and what God was doing in Jesus on the cross and, and, and what, you know, questions about hell. Look, I cover all of this in my course, The Gospel Dictionary. It looks at 52 keywords of the gospel one of them is the word world. One of them is the word sin, the word saved. Uh, we're, I'm studying the word fire right now related to the lake of fire. Eventually, I'll be studying the word hell, forgiveness. Okay, all of these words are in there. Now, uh, normally this course is $297. Please don't pay that. Uh, join my online discipleship group. And uh, there's no charge for any of my courses when people join the online discipleship group. There is a small fee for the discipleship group. Uh, but that's to help cover my expenses uh, for the podcast and um, the blog and everything else I do. And uh, just also to support my work in ministry in, in teaching around the world. So anyway, to, to join that, just go to redeeminggod.com slash join. And then you can take the courses and everything else. Okay. And also, if you're looking for a good laugh this week, this, this summer, pick up my book, Adventures in Fishing for Man. It's lighthearted. It's humorous. And you just might learn something about evangelism. Okay, thanks for listening and learning. We'll see you next week as we look at another verse from Scripture so that our life and theology can look more and more like Jesus Christ. See you then. Bye.